You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John DeLetti Jr. If this is your first time here on the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And guys, the 2022 draft, a very eventful draft for the Miami Dolphins, uh, is officially over. Um, I watched most of day one. Um, honestly, towards the end, I was just like, okay, I heard from people that I was talking to, like Dolphins aren't going to trade or anything. So didn't really watch uh, all of day one, but tried to watch as much of it as possible. Day two and three, I just had updates on my phone because I was working same as uh, for day three. However, um, I actually really, really like the draft. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Before we get into the Miami Dolphins draft picks that we made, all four of them, <laughs> um, it was a really, really good draft. I'm going to be honest with you. The, I, I put this on Twitter. I liked not having a first pick. Why? Because like, we well, first of all, our first and second round pick was Tyreek Hill. So it's nice to know going into a draft before it even starts that like you got a, a star. You know what I mean? Like that's really everyone's fear is we don't care about the position. We just want a really good player. And it's nice to know going into the draft that like, oh, yeah, you got a top 10 player in the NFL. Um, but also it was just nice to watch. I don't know if anyone else felt this, but it was just nice to watch the draft as like an outsider just like as a, a football enthusiast and just, you know, I, I was analyzing, you know, oh, why did this team pick this guy? Or, you know, I had this guy higher, but he was taken, um, you know, lower than this guy. And it was just nice to kind of enjoy the draft for what it is rather than worrying about like the Dolphins and who we're going to pick. So I really, really enjoyed the draft this year. It was a super exciting draft with a lot of surprises, a lot of trades in it. Um, I thought a lot of teams uh, did a really good job, especially, uh, you know, in the first round. I thought the Jets, look, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I thought the Jets had a good draft. The Bills did. The Ravens, like every year, like won the draft. Uh, the Lions, I've really loved what the Lions have done the last couple of years. Uh, and, and there were a couple teams who sucked in the draft. The Patriots just like continue to like suck at drafting. Um, and that's really been the case forever. The only good draft pick they've really had that's been that's that's made it kind of less obvious how bad they suck at drafting is Tom Brady. Because he made everyone around him better and they could suck at drafting wide receiver or suck at drafting other positions. And it didn't matter because they had Tom Brady. But like year after year, it's just like t like every single year, Bill Belichick just has like head scratching picks where you're like, what the hell? That didn't make any sense. Uh, and so they didn't have a good draft at all. There were a couple of other teams like the Titans trading away A.J. Brown, who's like a top five receiver in the NFL for a rookie who, even though Traylon Burks was my main crush of the draft at the receiver position, why would you trade Traylon Burks for his projection in the NFL, which is A.J. Brown? I don't know. Uh, I guess they didn't want to pay the wide receiver, but look, let's let's call a spade a spade. If it weren't for A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry... Right, Ryan Tannehill, it's like, you got rid of one of his best weapons Why he's looked so good over the last couple of years. Now all he has is Derrick Henry, and on top of that, you know, now they can really focus in 
on Derrick Henry because you don't have A.J. Brown. So those were just my thoughts from the draft in general, but you're not here to listen to my thoughts on the draft in general. If you are, you can talk to me privately on FinSports uh, Football Twitter. But we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins draft picks. So we don't start until pick 102. And I got to be honest, the suckiest part about not having a first and second round pick is waiting. Because the first day is like really exciting. It's the first round. You're like, oh man, look at all these cool players getting chosen. Then day two happens and let's call a spade a spade. Like day two sucks if you don't have a pick really early on. Like if you have nothing exciting to hold your hat on in the first round or the early second round, like day two sucks of the draft. Like waiting till pick 102, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But when pick 102 came, there were a lot of good players on the board. Isaiah Spiller was one of them. He was my number one running back. He didn't go till I think the third round or fourth round to the Chargers. Um, good pick by them. Uh, but there was him. Uh, there was Channing Tindall. I know Alec Lindstrom was available, who the Dolphins were rumored to want. Um, there were just some really good players on the board. And I know Channing Tindall's the guy that I mocked the Dolphins to. I had heard from a lot of people that he was someone they were interested in. They had him in the building. We saw it on his Instagram story. And it just seemed like a match made in heaven. Right, He was there for them. They didn't have to trade up. They didn't have to do anything. And he was right there. They took him. And this is a guy that if I'm being quite honest with you, like let's not act like our linebacking core is amazing. He's probably the best linebacker on our team, maybe second best if you count Jerome Baker. But like as a true middle linebacker, he's the best middle linebacker we've had in a long time. I mean, this is a guy that, number one, the main reason he's on your team is to be a true linebacker who can quarterback spy. Okay, I want to say this guy ran, what was it, a four, what did he run at the uh, at the combine? I'm trying to remember what he ran at the combine. It was something ridiculous. It was like a four, five, seven at the combine. He had um, a, a relative athletic score of 9.69, which scores him 77 out of the last 2,419 linebackers taken in the last, what, uh, 35 years? So out of, the la- out of every linebacker taken in the last 35 years, his relative athletic score is 77th. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This is a guy that you're not ha- going to have to worry about Josh Allen escaping the pocket. You're not going to have to worry about these athletic quarterbacks escaping the pocket. But also... Something that we saw with Jerome Baker, you know, if you have that speed, sometimes you lack in the ability to tackle. This guy is a thumper. I mean, this is a guy that is a true middle linebacker. He kind of combines that speed of Jerome Baker with the heavy hitting tackling of Landon Roberts. And I think that his value in the third round was phenomenal. Um, To me, he was one of the best linebackers in the draft. He wasn't in my top five but I certainly thought that he was worthy of a late second, early third round pick, which he was taken at the end of the third. Um, and this is a guy that I wouldn't be shocked at all if he came in and had significant uh, a significant role, especially um, you know in, in those passing situations against teams like the Buffalo Bills. Wouldn't be shocked if they put him on the field because it's a guy who's from Georgia. You know he's intelligent. You know he's got the speed to chase down any quarterback. But again, you're not having to sacrifice his ability to tackle and hit hard. This guy's a thumper, and um, I really thought that they addressed a need. 
you know, you got one of the best players available at the pick, but you also got a need in linebacker um, because we all knew the weakest part of this defense was linebacker. And not only did they get him, but they actually got two linebackers. Uh, they got another one, which we'll talk about in a little bit uh, in the seventh round. So I was really happy with the Ch- uh, Channing Tindall pick. I thought they got a guy that addressed the need, really good player. They know him, comes from a school like Georgia where you know he's uh, up for like the big moments. You know he's smart. Uh, he's going to be a leader. And I really, really like the pick. I really like the pick. I like the direction this defense is going in. Then in the fourth round, this was a little bit of a surprising pick, to be honest. Um, to be honest with you guys, once it gets past like the third round, if I'm just calling it the way it is, I don't really care that much as far as like I'm more so just interested in potential. I don't care if it's at a certain position or not. But I thought it'd be a running back, if anything. They ended up picking, I'm going to pronounce this name wrong, um, Eric Ezukanma. That, that's probably so wrong, and I, I I will learn how to say that name for next time. Um, but they picked a wide receiver uh, out of Texas Tech. He's 6'1", 209 pounds. And this is a guy that I think the main reason when you look at his film uh, and you watch what he's good at, you hope that he can kind of be that. I'm not saying he's this, but you hope he can be like that Debo Samuel role where you get the ball in his hands, he'll make something happen with it. Um, and it does lead me to like question like what's going to happen with Debo now or not Debo. What's going to happen with Lim Bowden now? I don't think that he'll push Lim Bowden out of there, but also um, I do know that they have a similar skill set. Right. And so I'm curious to see now with them getting him. Is he just a camp body? Obviously, with a fourth round pick, you're just hoping that they can make the roster and have uh, an impact on special teams. Um, but this is a guy that has athleticism, has physicality, is good with the ball in his hands. He's just like a football player. Um, And so I'm excited to see. We obviously know, Dolphins fans know better than anyone, how important it is to have camp bodies for wide receivers because we're so used to injury-ridden wide receiver rooms. Um, So I'm just happy that we added more to the wide receiver room. I trust that Mike McDaniel, um, you know, took a guy that he thinks he can work with took a guy that he liked in his ability to block in the run game, but also make plays happen with the ball in his hands. So I'm excited to see what happens from him. I can't lie. I don't really know much about him, but from watching some film after we drafted him, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what his role in this team is. Then in the seventh round, we got another linebacker, uh, Cameron Good out of California. He's an outside linebacker, 6'2", 232 pounds. Um, This is a guy that, to be honest, I think he's just going to be um, a guy that's in there rotational fighting for, you know, a backup spot, maybe even practice squad. But he does give us that linebacker depth that we desperately need. As I talked about, like we went into the draft needing center depth and linebacker depth. And with undrafted free agents in the draft, we really got depth in those positions. Now, whether or not we got starters, that's TBD. There's still f- veterans out there that we could sign, but we got another linebacker for depth. And then our last pick, um, we got a quarterback out of Kansas State, Skylar Thompson. Um, I don't really know much about him, uh, just reading his stats. 40 starts in five years, 62% completion rating, 7,000 yards, 42 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. 
uh, and then he ran it 354 times for 1,087 yards and 26 touchdowns. I don't really know much about him. To be honest, I don't really care. He's going to be the third string uh, quarterback on this team. So I'm just going to acknowledge that we drafted him, but you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on a guy that's just going to be a practice squad player. Now, let me get into the part of the draft that is always, it's, it's never really talked about as much as it should be, but it is a very important part of the process because with players like, um, you know, uh, Nick Needham on the team, Preston Williams on the team, we should understand as Dolphin fans what the importance of undrafted free agents are. You know, because again, we have two players on this team, Preston Williams, who has a really high ceiling, and Nick Needham, who is our slot corner, our starting slot corner, that were undrafted free agents. And so I think it's really important that you all or that we always just make sure that we uh, pay attention to who we take um, it, it, with undrafted free agents every year. But this year, I'm not going to lie, guys. Can't lie. I'm, I'm not trying to be a homer. You guys know I typically try to shoot it straight on the on the podcast for you guys. I'm really, really happy. I really like our undrafted free agent signings. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. There are about two or three undrafted free agent signings that I liked more than our actual draft signings. And I'm going to go through the ones I'm really excited about. So the first one that I'm super excited about is Varen McKinley, the third. Safety out of Oregon. You guys already know we got a safety from Oregon on our team, Javon Holland. Okay. And he's not Javon Holland because Javon Holland was, in my opinion, a first round talent. I had him as my number one safety last year coming out of the draft. But this is a guy who, number one, they called him the general. And rule of thumb, just to play safe, normally if you have a nickname, that means like you're important on the team, right? No one's out here like calling like Sam Aguavin anything, right? They call Tyreek Hill Cheetah, right? X, they call Xavier Howard X. Normally, the really good players, the important players on your team, you give them names. Varen McKinley, when he was at Oregon, was called the general. And this is a dude that, honestly, if we would have taken him like in the fourth round, I would have been okay with it. And the reason for that is, number one, the obvious, he played with Javon Holland. And so I, I say this all the time with every position. It's so important to make sure that you have that chemistry because especially as a rookie, if, if you don't have chemistry with players, that's just another part that you have to adapt to. But if you do have that chemistry, it makes things a lot more comfortable and easy for you. Not to mention these guys, Varen McKinley, and Javon Holland play a position at safety that is heavily reliant on communication and just understanding, you know, what the other guy's going to do because the safeties are supposed to be like the, the quarterbacks of the defense. They're supposed to see everything from behind, right, because they're the furthest back. They're supposed to see everything and be the communicators. And when you got those two guys on the same page, that's really promising. On top of it, he could play cornerback, so he's got versatility, and I'm just letting you know, go watch his film. This dude had 11 interceptions in three years. Averaged almost four interceptions a year. He had four his first year, one two years ago, and six interceptions last year. Six. Okay, this is a guy that 
not only is a ball hawk kind of like Javon Holland, but has that thumper mentality like Javon Holland has, he doesn't have the natural athleticism or gifts that like Javon Holland has. But at, at strong safety, I mean, I wouldn't. Again, when I when I saw this move, I was like, man, what does this mean for Brandon Jones? Because Brandon Jones is kind of that role on our team right now. Wouldn't be shocked at all if this year, if they don't keep Eric Rowe, they rely on Brandon Jones. But I wouldn't be shocked if we're talking a year from today, talking about how our starting safeties are Varen McKinley and Javon Holland, like it was in college. So really excited about that pick. I think that if you get that guy coached up, which, hello, you have Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan now. And with Byron Jones, Javon Holland, and X, it's going to be easy for any player to kind of fit into that role. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we looked at ourselves a year from now and we're like, oh, Vera McKinley's our starting strong safety. Okay. The next guy I'm excited about is Aquandre Wright. Now, this is a running back out of South Carolina. Um, he's not going to be someone that, you know, I'm not going to come on here and be like, this dude's the best running back I've ever seen. He obviously went undrafted for a reason. Right. But I will say I would not be shocked. This isn't like Jared Dokes last year to me where I was like, you know, I, I don't really know if he if he's going to be a starter on the team. He might push for like a third or, you know, four string spot. So Quandre Wright is a guy that like, I mean, what's really stopping him from having as prominent of a role as like Savan Ahmed? Because Savan Ahmed's not like this first or second round pick, right? And in fact, Savan, Savan Ahmed, yes, he was drafted in San Francisco when McDaniel was there, but McDaniel literally was the head coach that picked out this undrafted free agent. <clears throat> and like, I mean, how many years have we seen in San Francisco where like fourth round pick, fifth round pick, sixth round pick at running back, they make it work with them. Zaquandre White wouldn't surprise me if he was a guy that got some playing time during the season as a, like a third string running back, maybe came in in passing situations. He's a guy that is smooth in his cuts. He's a guy that is a good pass catcher, makes guys miss. I'm excited to see what he can do. I am. I think he could really push for a, 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 a like a third string spot uh, in the running back room. I don't just think he's like a practice squad guy. And, you know, I, I've, I heard based off of the interview, the press conference that, McDaniel and Chris Greer did uh, that they wanted a running back and they couldn't get one. Um, I'm pretty sure I forget it's the running back that San Francisco took. They wanted. Um, so I know they wanted a running back earlier on in the draft, but again, you have a good offensive line. I'm of the belief that if you have a good offensive line, you can make most running backs look good. Maybe not elite, but you can make most running backs look good with a solid line. So that's another pickup that I like. And then the other pickup that I'm really a fan of, actually, there's two of them. Uh, Kellen Deich, I think is how you say, say his name. Uh, Kellen Deich. Excuse me, my, my throat's kind of raw. I'm at work right now, and I've been talking a lot, so my throat's a little raw. Uh, and Ty Clary. So Ty Clary's from Arkansas. He's a center guard, can play basically any interior spot on the line. And then you have... Um, Kellen Deich, who is an offensive tackle who could play right tackle from Arizona State, 6'7", 301 pounds, and most people know him because at the draft, he ran a 4.89. Now, I don't know if you understand that, but for 6'7", 301 pounds, 
That is really fast, okay? And if you need to understand how big 6'7", 301 pounds is, um, Raekwon Davis is 6'7", 330. Okay, so this guy's as tall as Raekwon Davis and he's 300 pounds. So he's a big dude. The thing with Kellen Dyche is very athletic. He's going to fit this scheme perfectly. The issue is he just needs to get more strength, needs to improve that anchor. But let's not lie to ourselves. That's the same thing that Austin Jackson needs to improve on. So this is a guy, again, an undrafted free agent that I wouldn't be surprised if he came in and he really challenged Austin Jackson for that right tackle spot. I think coming in, he's definitely going to be better at right tackle than Liam Eikenberg. I mean, I saw Liam Eikenberg. He was atrocious, like one of the worst offensive linemen I've ever seen in a Dolphins uniform, and that's saying a lot. Okay, so he's definitely going to probably beat out Liam Eikenberg. I would hope, or else why the hell is he on the team? But, like, I'm serious. I think there's a guy that could that could really fight and, and challenge Austin Jackson, Austin Jackson for that starting right tackle spot. And then with Ty Clary, it's kind of the same thing, just uh, a guy that, you know, is going to fit the scheme really well. Um, really, really tough, nasty type of uh, interior offensive lineman that can play center and guard. But like I said with Austin Jackson, the main thing with him is just going to be learning how to win the leverage battle. If he can do that, um, you know, again, there's a reason why he's an undrafted player, right? He's not completely polished, but it does add, again, it, it, it adds depth. It adds depth. I'm pretty sure unless anything changes, Michael Dieter will probably go into the season with him as center. But then again, it gives you depth. It gives you depth of that position and it gives you depth uh, with a position or with a guy that, you know, can play multiple positions. Um, so, again, I really like uh, the moves that we made in, in undrafted free agency market. And overall, in the totality of it, you look at it and we got really probably a starting middle linebacker. In my opinion, a year from now, our starting strong safety aside from Javon Holland on the side of jo Javon Holland. You got a running back that's going to compete for a spot just as much as Miles Gaskin or Savon Ahmed. And then, to be quite honest with you guys, you got a uh, offensive tackle with Kellen Dyche that, let's, let's call spade a spade, he's probably going to be better than Liam Eikenberg, and I wouldn't be surprised if he challenged Austin Jackson for a spot. And there's a statistic out there that I just saw, like, right before I started the podcast, um... Uh, it was right before I started the podcast. I'm trying to type this in to search it right now. But I'm pretty sure, like, Kellen Dyche, like was one of the highest-rated um, offensive tackles in the Pac-12 because um, he's from ASU. But he was, yeah. Uh, so Kellen Dyche was the highest-graded Pac-12 tackle in the last two years with an 88.8 overall grade. So this is a guy that, again... Played right tackle at a high level in the Pac-12. Wouldn't be shocked if he came in and challenged Austin Jackson for the for the starting spot. Definitely would not be shocked. In fact, I expect him to come out and beat uh, Liam Eikenberg for the backup job at right tackle. So again, really like the value. I think that's the key word that we can talk about when when talking about this draft value. You got Tyreek Hill. We all know that. He's the main thing that everyone cares about with this draft. 
But if you start looking at the players we did acquire from draft picks and undrafted free agency, a lot of value there. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. But if you build your coaching staff the right way, that's their job is to build up the talent. So you look at one, two years from now, hopefully some of these guys, again, like uh, McKinley, um, you look at uh, Tyndall, you look at Dyche. Hopefully those guys by this time next year are, are prominent starters on this team. That's what the mindset in my mind is going forward. So that's it. That's all I have for you guys about the draft. Again, it was only four picks. Wasn't too exciting, but I did think we got a lot of good value. That'd be like the keyword I have for this year's draft is just value. Um, we got some guys that, as I said, hopefully we look back at it in about like a year and we say, man, we got some good starters and we didn't really have much to work with in that draft. But a lot that that's a TBD, just like with any draft pick. You got to wait. You got to wait and see what these guys do when it comes to um, you know, OTAs, mini camp. That's when you're going to see, oh, was I right? Was I wrong on these picks? And then obviously seeing what type of impact they make in the regular season. And that's really where all of this matters, you know, the regular season. Um, and, and now we can start to shift our focus because we're going to start having mini camp, OTAs, preseason. And guys, I, I just, man, I'm, I'm just really excited. I got to tell you, I'm really excited to, to watch the Dolphins this season. I mean, like Cedric Wilson, uh, Waddle, and Hill going to be a great wide receiver combo or trio. I'm just, from what I'm hearing and seeing about Tua, I'm just like super excited to just, I, I really think that he's going to take a massive leap forward this year. I think people after this year are going to look at him as a really good starting quarterback. I don't think there will be any debate whether or not like he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think that... Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm glad that they did what they did because, uh, you know, I, I don't really think it's a two a thing. I feel like every quarterback needs help in some capacity. I mean, look at the Chargers. They've given Justin Herbert a phenomenal O-line, great wide receivers, and they just drafted a running back. You know, every quarterback needs help if you're a smart team. I'm really happy that the Dolphins have given Tua a chance to prove himself, and I really think and hope for all of our sakes that he goes out there and just kicks ass this year. But, you know, again, take it one day at a time and just focusing on the draft uh, in this podcast episode. Really happy with the draft. Thought we got some good value. But at the end of the day, we just got to wait and see to see how these guys pan out. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. If you did, be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening from. Have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. Fins up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami.